Truth News Network. A virus surfaces, and the elites shut down the world with a cocktail of lies, deceptions, pressures, threats, and violence, locking up the tellers of truth like political prisoners of the Cold War. Well, here we are, telling the truth, fighting the fight, the lies, the deception. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your fearless leader is Dan Newman. Fear is our enemy, and our leaders today are sowing fear among us just to get us fearful. So we'll just benignly listen to every word they say and just act according to what they tell us to do. Folks, we're not unique in history with this. There are societies, nations that have disappeared from the earth that practice doing just that. They looked at their leadership basically as gods and they just fell in line for everything they were told to do and what not to do and what to think and what not to think. And they're gone. This nation has done a pretty good job at existing, getting better and being inclusive for everybody that wants to come here and live within our laws and our policies, our environment, our society, the different versions of it all, and be part of it so they can do good. And tens of millions of people have discovered the United States is a great place to live, to grow up in, and to raise a family. But there are those that don't think they can do that and that anybody else has the right to do that just based on our individual pursuit of the things that we think will make our lives better. They don't believe any longer in equality that is endowed not by our government, but constitutionally in the Declaration of Independence. It's endowed to each of us by our Creator, not by Joe Biden or any other part or person in our federal government. But thank God, tens of millions of Americans are awakening today And they're recognizing the evil that permeates all of us. It's around all of us in so many different ways. It wears so many different masks. We're just now finding out about it, many of us, just because the masks are coming off. And with impunity, our leaders are standing before us and pointing their fingers at us and saying, forget about that constitutional guarantee of the pursuit of happiness and equal justice under the law and to guarantee that you'll be able to pursue anything that you want to within the framework of the law and we're not going to get in your way as a government. Forget about all of that stuff. What they want us to do is just shut up, sit down, and listen and do what we're told to do. What a way to start the show. (laughs) I'm sorry if that shocked you, if it rocked you, but folks, we're all being awakened now by circumstances, things that we're seeing ourselves, things we're watching on television, and things we're hearing about happening around the world. And isn't it interesting, for all of the bad stuff that we're recognizing is going on around the world, some of it includes Americans, but some of it doesn't, isn't it interesting the perspectives that we're getting that are diverse from each other. I mean, both ends of the truth-lie spectrum 
or in full bloom. You can see facts about Afghanistan if you know where to look, but you can see lots of lies about it. And what's interesting in this Afghanistan crisis, and I don't care if Joe Biden wants to label it a crisis or not, just like I didn't care what his administration wanted to call the crisis at the southern border. Listen to what I'm about to say. President Biden is now lording over the second humanitarian crisis of his administration. The first is ongoing. And I'm not talking about Haiti. That is not our crisis. We are giving input in dramatic fashion to help the Haitian people that are just going through a second horrible earthquake in a decade that's devastated, that's killed many, many Haitian people. That is a humanitarian crisis, but it wasn't instigated by the United States of America. Joes are self-instigated on the American people. The first humanitarian crisis is ongoing and has been since he entered the White House. The crisis, the humanitarian crisis he created, his policies, his people that are implementing his policies at the southern border. Do you realize we don't have any concept of how many of those illegals that have come into this nation are criminals that are here with evil on their minds that are bringing COVID-19 sickness with them as much and as many as 60% of those that are coming in that end up getting tested in hospitals or testing positive for COVID-19. What else are they bringing with us? Well, there are a few things like uh, the biggest stash of fentanyl on planet Earth. There's been enough fentanyl captured trying to come into the United States. There's been enough of that to kill every American, all 330 million of us. That's how powerful the fentanyl is that's coming in. Its origins, almost exclusively in China. But wait a minute, that's coming across the southern border. Meanwhile, have you seen all of those videos of the facilities at the southern border that are housing thousands of young people, young illegal immigrants? Have you seen those? You see how clean they are? They get fresh clothes every day. They get to exercise outside. They're being segregated by age so as not to tempt any to take advantage of others. You've seen those, haven't you? No, you haven't. Why not? They don't want us to know what's going on in those facilities. We do know, however, for facts, a few things that are going on. The Texas Department of Public Health was able to get inside one facility because a report came out of that facility about a seven-year-old girl that was being gang-raped almost daily. And then, of course, the Biden administration clamped down. They no longer allow anybody, even in state governments, that are designed specifically to handle situations like humanitarian crises in their own states. Joe Biden says, no way. This is a federal thing. Immigration is constitutionally a federal thing. But listen, you just need to sit down and be quiet, you governors. We're going to invade your state. We're going to bring in these illegals, many of who are criminal. None of them are coming in legally. 
and are all violating immigration law when they cross our border, our southern border. That's illegal. But we're going to wink at that and just let them do it. And oh, by the way, we're going to drive them around in buses. We don't know if they're COVID-19 positive. We're going to do that and we're going to drop them off at various places in your state and other states that we don't warn that we're coming to do that. And you know why we're doing that? We're going to tell everybody it's because we are the most humane society on the planet. But the real reason we're doing it is because we can. We have the power. You don't like it? Do something about it. I just can't believe every day I wake up and I'm living in a land with leadership that believes that, that's acting out on that and are not being checked by the people in power that not only can do something about it, they're not doing anything about it. Who would that be? Members of the United States Congress. Folks, Joe Joe Biden, he should be impeached right now. He should have been impeached 30 days into his presidency. Wow, that's a little extreme, Dan. It's constitutionally the process that is supposed to be used to take care of authoritarians that abide in the White House that are ignoring the rule of law, the United States Constitution, ignoring the separation of the powers in the three branches of government, legislative, executive, and judiciary, and they're ignoring the rights of the states that are delineated throughout the U.S. Constitution. Joe Biden doesn't give a rip about any of it. He has trampled and is every day still trampling the United States Constitution. Every person serving in Congress, every person serving in the Biden White House administration swore an oath to the Constitution to protect and defend, and yet their actions Everybody takes for granted now. Oh, they're just going to do it. They can do it. We have an authoritarian who lives in the White House. He's an autocrat. Forget about governed by the people, of the people, by the people, and for the uh, people. Forget about that. Forget about our elected representatives crafting laws. And forget about that thing that the executive branch is supposed to do, which is to enforce all the laws that the legislative branch passes. Forget about that. That Fourth Amendment thing that protects Americans, our bodies, our abilities, the way we take care of ourselves, and the responsibility for doing that, forget about that. We have an autocrat, and he stands up and tells us what we can or can't do. Yesterday, he stood up in the in the wake of this entire self-inflicted humanitarian crisis, number two in the Biden administration. It's starting in Afghanistan, but it's going to spill all over the world. Folks, what is happening on his watch, which he instigated, didn't have to happen, didn't happen on its own. He brought a big, big can of gasoline in with him when he moved into the White House, and he started pouring gasoline over everything he could. And we're on fire. We're on fire around the world. 
This thing in Afghanistan, it's going to go down as the worst humanitarian crisis in world history. That's what the Biden administration and Joe Biden are going to be remembered for. Now, are you a prophet, Dan? No, I'm not a prophet. It doesn't take a prophet to look at what's going on and look at what is being hidden that every day we're getting a little more of a glimpse of that are going on because Joe Biden arbitrarily, as an autocrat always does, decided to ignore all of the legality that was in place in structure to make the Afghanistan withdrawal work because all parties involved in that had agreed to terms and how it was going to happen. And they even agreed to be held responsible for any of their actions that would conflict with the process that was agreed to and, by the way, signed in documents. An agreement, actual agreement. Biden walked in and tore it up, just as he's torn up every principle, every part of his oath of office that he committed he would do and things that he would not do. He just turned his back on it. His media lapdogs, they not only have allowed him to get away with all this stuff, they've actually endorsed it and promoted it and continue to perpetuate lies every day in writing in video and in audio. But guess what? They've turned on him. They've turned on him. I just looked uh, a few minutes ago. I, I do this. One of my references that I, I use every day is I go to Real Clear Politics. They have some great articles up there. Some great articles. And I look at the titles early every morning just to see what's going on. Let me just read you some of the titles that are at Real Clear Politics on their front page today. And they're a nonpartisan entity. They're a clearinghouse for a bunch of different stories. They have opinion pieces. And they're conservative. They're leftist, liberal. And they're all out there. But of course, there are far more liberal outlets than there are conservative. And so there are always tons of negative things out there about anything that Donald Trump or conservatives ever involved in. And of course, there are far more stories that come from the far left perspective because media is in large part, I'm going to say 85, 90% are far left. Listen to the titles of some of the stories that are out this morning that are all around Joe Biden. First one, why did Biden get Afghanistan predictions so wrong? That's from NBC News. U.S. leaders forgot fundamental purpose of our military. That's Newsweek. The battle scars Biden brought to Afghanistan strategy. That's from CNN. The greatest threat to U.S. democracy is us. USA Today. Hmm. One conservative headline quoted here. It's from the New York Post. No one should be surprised by Biden's Biden's incompetence. The lapdogs, the Biden puppies, they're all awakening and realizing this guy got it wrong. The worm has turned, and you know who are going to pay the price and who are the American people. Folks, we have no idea how many Americans are behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. 
Can you believe this government that had pretty much unilateral access to everything going on in Afghanistan when this agreement was signed during the waning days of the Trump administration, the plan was in writing how the transition was going to take place. And we're finding out now the process was to begin to first remove American citizens, not military, not political people, but first American citizens that were living in Afghanistan. Get them out of there. Second, we're going to be the political folks, the people that are involved with our government and the embassy and others around the country. And last was going to be the military. Now that makes common sense. And they were, those processes were staged so that each one of those would be complete before the other was instigated. But if you watched our military leaders, the Department of Defense Secretary yesterday, and the head of the Joint Chiefs in that little um, press meeting that they had, if you watched and listened to them, folks, we're doomed. We have a bunch of sycophant political wannabes that are leading our military. And they said some of the craziest, stupidest things I've ever heard come out of any military person's mouths. You saw it. You heard about it. And all they're doing was taking a cue from the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden. Folks, there's one guy, Mark Milley. He's the head of the Joint Chiefs, a general. And these people don't get to these positions without going through a, a very exhaustive process where a lot of people pull apart their careers and information, things they've done, things they've said, to get there. How does somebody get to the top in our military? How does somebody become a member of the Joint Chiefs, yet alone the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and say the things that he said to the American people? I don't I don't understand. But what's happened, it's happened principally because of one thing. There is no accountability at the top of our military. The lack of accountability gets worse. It worsens because of the debacle that happens by teaching us, Americans, and our friends and our foes that things this grossly incompetent, what's playing out in Afghanistan, is going to happen again. Whoever Biden doesn't fire, their performance Biden believes is acceptable and If this is acceptable, how can the American people possibly trust the National Security Agency, the CIA, or the Pentagon? Even their most recent predictions, I'm talking about in the last 10 days, were completely wrong. They're supposed to make decisions in our military based on intelligence that comes in part through the National Security Agency. And if you watched any of that yesterday, you heard excuse after excuse. We didn't know this. We never saw the intelligence that said this. Once again, the intel community and expert class failed us totally, predicting this would take months and that the Afghan army would fight. 
the right thing to do today would be for every general, every admiral, everyone at the top of our military branches to resign. And they should do it so that the commander-in-chief himself doesn't have to. Top of the list, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. He spent the entirety of the Biden administration, as well as before, playing politics instead of doing his job. It's because of his lies and his cowardice that Americans and Afghans have died and our national security has and is taking a massive blow. Just compare Milley's behavior against the increasingly alarming timeline from a July 30th Inspector General report to Congress. We've shared some of the details to you. It shows that Milley publicly acknowledged increasing Taliban control of Afghanistan as the military he leads, they get prepared to leave. Here's something that comes from the report. I'm going to read it. The news coming out of Afghanistan this quarter has been bleak. The Taliban offensive that began early in the quarter accelerated in June and July. General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, testified June 23rd that the Taliban controlled about 81 districts. Less than a month later, he told reporters the group now controlled about half of Afghanistan's 419 districts. That's less than 30 days. They went from 81 to 419. Wouldn't that ring a bell in your land? In your mind? According to media reporting, the Taliban also controlled large stretches of multiple major highways and at least six international border crossings. The American propped up so-called Afghan army that fled Kabul in August had retaken in July some districts and the Afghan government still controlled all of the 34 provincial capitals, including Kabul. But from public reporting, the Afghan army appeared surprised and unready, is now on its back foot. Civilian casualties hit a record high in May and June. Now that that I just gave to you, that was on the plate in front of Mark Milley, every other person at the top in our intelligence communities and in our military. And yet they not only propped up, they recommended to the president that he do what he did. And look where we are. Thousands of Americans. This morning, they awakened in Afghanistan, if any of them were able to go to sleep last night. And they today have no idea if they're going to, and their families, get out of Afghanistan alive. Well, they're Americans. We're going to get them out. Well, in the meeting that was held yesterday, the... Secretary of Defense was asked by a reporter, can you commit that our military is going to remain in Afghanistan until all Americans are taken out safely? And he made no bones about it. He said, I can't commit that. We're going to stay as long as we can. When he was asked, when he was asked why are we not right now going out around Kabul for sure, helping Americans that need to get to the airport and get on these planes to get out? Why aren't we doing that? 
And you know what his response was? We don't have the resources to do that. We can only take care of protecting the airport. He, he said the airport was identified as the number one thing we were there to do. The most important thing was to keep the airport. Screw the Americans that are, are scared to death or uh, they're scared to death locked in their apartments around this city and how many others in Afghanistan, we don't know. I can't believe the Secretary of State on his watch the State Department didn't have the names, addresses, telephone numbers, and even the medical status of every American across Afghanistan. You know what? You don't go to Afghanistan unless you get a visa. How do you get a visa? You apply for it with the U.S. State Department. They then run it up the, the line, run it up the flag over with the Afghani people, and they make sure they're both okay with you going to Afghanistan, they know before you go how long you're going to stay and where you're going to stay. I can't believe the Secretary of State, who, by the way, hadn't gotten in front of a microphone in over a week to explain some of this crap that is going on on his watch, all of these guys, Milley, the Secretary of Defense, the National Security Advisor, and the Secretary of State need to be canned. And if they are men of honor, they'll resign. They'll fall on their swords so their leader doesn't have to. And if there is, after the 2022 midterm elections, if there is a majority in the House of Representatives, you can book it. This CEO of the United States, Joe Biden, will be impeached justifiably so. And if he has any shred of honor, he should resign right now. Well, how do you really feel, Dan? (laughs) Yesterday, faced with an outcry from the press over unwillingness, this president's unwillingness to answer questions about all this 20-year war in Afghanistan and the way it's ending now, Biden did an interview He wouldn't answer questions when he gave us COVID-19. Hey, 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 we're going to do a booster for everybody eight months after they had their second shot. He actually held a press conference to tell us that, and he didn't say a word about Afghanistan. He decided to go find one of the guys that he sucked up to throughout his career at ABC News, George Stephanopoulos. And George was in the other room at the White House. And so the interview was the first time Biden took any questions about the crisis in Afghanistan in, oh, a day or two, eight days, a week and a day. But he didn't appear to be prepared. He snapped at Stephanopoulos a couple of times for asking about Afghan people rushing a plane as it took off the runway, some even falling to their deaths as it took off. That was four days ago, five days ago, Biden said, sharply. Like it matters how many days ago it was. In fact, the incident occurred only two days ago, while Stephanopoulos did not press him on that. That's why Joe went to George. George lets Democrats in the government get away with everything in these one-on-one interviews. When asked what he thought about the pictures, the images of one passenger, not a passenger, somebody had stowed away in a wheel well, 
of this transport jet and cameras were following the jet as it went up in the air. It looked like that maybe even 20,000 feet. You can see a speck falling out of the bottom of the plane. That was a, that was a Afghani person fell to his death. What I thought was we have to gain control of this, Biden told George. We got to move this more quickly. We got to move in a way which we can take control of that airport. And we did. Wow. We won the airport. So when George asked if he could have handled the withdrawal better, Biden said this. No, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens, he said. Folks, in that sentence, I'm going to read it to you. Again, this is the President of the United States. George, Mr. President, do you think this could have been handled any better? No, George, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know that happens. If that is the honest truth, if that man really feels that way, and he thinks what happened on his watch, what his military, what his intelligence community allowed, and not only allowed, encouraged it all to happen, no preparation, no consideration for anybody that was there and how they would be directly impacted, if that's really the way Joe Biden thinks, he should resign in shame. That's not a president of the United States. That thinking has never happened from the White House in my lifetime, and I'm 68. There have been a few presidents go through there. And I'm talking about some I thought were horrible, including Jimmy Carter. I thought Jimmy Carter was the worst president, and nobody would ever be as bad as he is. I'm going to tell you what, what Joe Biden did, what he's doing and allowing... It makes Jimmy Carter look like George Washington. Biden got defiant again against his critics in the interview with George, calling his decision to withdraw from Afghanistan a simple choice rather than a task that he and his team could have planned and executed much better. All he had to do was pick up the one that Joe Biden and his Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had put together in cahoots with the Taliban leaders and the leaders of Afghanistan. There was a roadmap. All they had to do was pick it up and say, okay, here's how we do this. Bam, 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 bam. That's all they had to do. Same kind of thing with this southern border thing. You know, at the end of the Trump presidency, at the end of his term, things at our southern border were in good shape. Southern border wall going up, Congress had appropriated money, illegal crossings had dropped to a blip, all people had stopped storming across Mexico to get in because there was a remain in Mexico agreement between the president of Mexico and the president of the United States for all of the illegals that were coming here falsely applying for asylum under false pretenses 
were not allowed to come into the United States and just go anywhere while they were waiting for a court date on their asylum claim. They were sent back across the Rio Grande Valley to a camp that the Mexican government ran in northern Mexico and had to stay there until their court date came up. Of course, they quit coming. That was all in hand. There was a manual on how to do it. And the manual was simply watch and look at the way it dropped all of illegal crossings at the southern border to a drip. I don't even think Biden even picked it up. Nobody in his administration picked it up. So they just created a process overnight that became overnight a real humanitarian crisis that only worsens every day, and they don't think that anybody knows about it, and they don't care if we do, but what they've done is just clamp down their media lapdogs. They don't allow anybody to go in and get facts because they know if the Americans got all the facts, we might have some type of a revolution. There may be protest Oh my gosh, protest in America? We can't do that if you're not Black Lives Matter or Antifa. You can't have everyday American citizens and voters out on the street expressing their opinions. After all, if you're white and you're a conservative in America, it's defined by the media and the Biden administration as you're a white supremacist. And that means you've got a bullseye on your back. Do you realize that we were down to 2,500 2,500 members of the military in Afghanistan? 2,500. That's 2,500 the week before this thing all blew up, last weekend, last Sunday. Do you know that already this week, after the fact, after the chaos, after the lockdown, after the Taliban took over the whole country of Afghanistan and even renamed it, to the Islamic Emirates, only after all that did Joe Biden send any troops in there, 6,000 troops, and they're in there, and the Secretary of Defense said yesterday, we can't do anything, we can't go out in Kabul and help American citizens to get to the airport so we can help them get out, but what we can do is we can protect the airport. We got it. We control the airport. Forget about the fact that the Taliban has a ring all around the airport. They have checkpoints. Nobody can get in. Nobody can get out except an airplane flying out without the Taliban approving it. And then Blinken, the Secretary of State's State Department, on the website, their website, they send out messages pretty regularly for people that are behind enemy lines across Afghanistan, and it's a really nice message. It basically says, hey, if you're an American, we need for you to get to the airport. We need for you to get to the airport so we can help you get out of the airport. By the way, not only if you're an American, but if you're one of the Afghani people that helped us, you know, turncoat against Taliban, and you helped us over the last 20 years, and we want to help you get out. But you just come to the airport and we're going to fly you out. And then the Secretary of Defense says, we can't go out into Kabul or into the hitherlands in Afghanistan. We can't send our military people out there to help these Americans and these partners, these patriots from Afghanistan that helped us to get to the airport. 
We don't have the resources. He actually had the unmitigated gall to say that. We don't have the resources. It's not like we didn't know that there's some bad stuff and bad people over there in Afghanistan and they don't like us. It's not like we didn't know that they they pulled while they zoomed across Afghanistan. It made international news every day. They were going to girls' schools in these provincial capitals, making all the girls line up, giving the girls, one at a time, each of them, a chance to commit to marry and become a concubine or even a prostitute for a member of the Afghan Taliban military or be killed. And if those girls wouldn't do it, they did just that. Many were raped, heads cut off, shot. When they came to Kabul, when they got to the capital city of Afghanistan, they had already obtained access to a list of every Afghani who helped the United States over the last 20 years. They started going door to door, pulling those people out and murdering them on the streets. It's not like we didn't know that was happening, but it's like Joe Biden wakes up in a different world. And by the way, he wasn't even in Washington, D.C. when all this went down. He wasn't going on national television to encourage the American people or make us feel better that we kind of had our arms around it and knew what was going on and we had everything in place, processes to take care of this and that. Well, the reason he didn't do it and he stayed hidden was because we didn't have any of this covered. On his watch, we had done nothing. Worst president in American history. Did you hear me? Worst president in American history. And we don't have a vice president. We have the cackle person, but she's not the vice president. She's not a leader. She couldn't even get enough votes to make her be in the top five of Democrat candidates. The California people wouldn't even put her number one, two, three, or four. And she dropped out of the race because nobody liked her. Nobody wanted her in office. And today, she's the vice president of the United States, and all she can do is go shake hands, cut ribbons, and cackle. I don't care who you are. I And, and listen, if you voted for Joe Biden, I get it. I understand it. You got tired of the Twitter tweeter-in-chief. You got tired of his brashness. But I guarantee you what you didn't get tired of was the extra money going into your paycheck, your friends getting jobs, getting pay raises. What else you got was when you went to the gas pump. You paid more, way less, than you had been paying for gas in decades. Your dollar went further. You All the good things about Trump. And I get it. You put that to the side because you didn't like him. I'll just echo what Donald Trump said in a message that two weeks ago he put out on the Internet. Millions of Americans saw it. And it was just simply one question. Do you miss me yet? And it's not so much I miss Donald Trump, but what I what I really miss is a commander-in-chief, whoever it might be, and it's not this guy, 
a commander-in-chief that doesn't demand respect of the American people. He or she earns that respect by not what they say, not what they promise, not what they scream, by what they do. And it's called being a commander-in-chief and doing the right thing and enforcing the rule of law, supporting the Constitution, allowing every one of the members of the three co-equal branches of government do what they constitutionally are supposed to do and endowed with the power and authority to do it and then bringing it all together and enforcing the laws. That's what I miss. And this guy in the White House, he's none of the above. And in my opinion, what he needs to do, Jill needs to take him home to Delaware If he needs to have an Oval Office, build one, a faux Oval Office down in the Biden mansion in the basement. Take Joe down there every day and parade in a few people and tell Joe, these are foreign leaders that want to meet with you and have meetings and then do some interviews every once in a while. Take a nap about six o'clock every evening, get your glass of warm milk and go to bed. Honestly, I'm not making fun of him. Whatever you think about his service, he's got 50-plus years of serving the American people. It's time Joe goes to the House. We're here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mm -mm. How about China? Mm. Germany? Mm. How about people from the North Pole? Mm. Or Mars? (laughs) What about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Mm. Mm. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm. What about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton tea can do that. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 double crispy cheesy burger. Well, hello. With two flame broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new double crispy cheesy burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new double crispy cheesy burger? The flame fresh taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Get the new double crispy cheesy burger with double the flame fresh taste. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. I promised I wasn't going to go nuts on the show today, and maybe I did in the first half hour. (laughs) But I think you know how I feel about all this, the information and stuff that's out there. Um, I just got a 
a, a text headline that uh, the spokesperson for the Department of Defense at the Pentagon and some military leaders are about to hold the press conference. Obviously, we can't monitor it here in the studio. For those of you that are listening, if you would monitor it, and if anything big comes out of it, just give us a call and share it with us. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. And for anybody else, if you've got a comment, if you want to weigh in on this, ask questions or give us information at any time, please feel free to do so. Also, during that break, I got some really bad news. Close friend, neighbor, a really fine man, Harry Swank. Many of you listening know Harry Swank. He's been around Treeport Bossier for a number of years. He and his wife, Jackie, are just plain old servants. They're always there for everybody that needs anything. They're great friends. The subdivision that we lived in with them, it was a cool subdivision called Oak Alley in Bossier City, Louisiana. Most people that lived in there were in their 50s, 60s, or a little bit older. And it was kind of a New Orleans-style subdivision. You know, the lots weren't really big. People were close together. And it was interesting. It was a gated community, but the, the gates were never locked. But everybody in it was like community, the way neighborhoods used to be. We knew everybody. People walked every day, kids, bicycles. It was a really neat place. And Harry and Jackie were staples in that. Golly, I can't believe we lost him. What a great guy. Our prayers are with Jackie. Now that Harry's gone, they were best buddies. They were inseparable. Sometimes bad things happen to really good people, but you know what? Harry's in a better place. I know him, known him for years. He was a great Christian man, serving in church, everybody's friend was a big giver, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about giving of himself, as was Jackie. If you think about the name Swanks, Harry and Jackie, say a, say a prayer for Jackie. She's going she's gonna to be uh, very lonely without her buddy. Hey, let's move on. You know, Democrats... One thing you can say about Democrats, if you don't like Democrats, they have something that they do really well that Republicans just seem to never get right, and that's pulling together, pulling together to get stuff done. They always seem to find common support for their causes, whatever those causes are to be. But in this case right now, a bunch of Democrats have awakened and they are blaming Joe Biden for failing to secure a safe and orderly departure from Afghanistan. Senator Bob Menendez, I could not believe this. He's chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, and he's got a speckled past himself. Um, he came out yesterday and he said, quote, I am disappointed that the Biden administration clearly did not accurately assess the implications of of a rapid U.S. withdrawal. And then Jim Langvin, who's a Democrat from Rhode Island, he's a member of the House Armed Services Committee. He berated Biden's withdrawal, calling it a catastrophe, noting at minimum the Biden administration owed our Afghan allies of 20 years a real withdrawal plan. Senator Tom Carper, who, by the way, is a Democrat, a senator, 
from Delaware. He explained the drawdown, quote, should have been carefully planned to prevent violence and instability and to ensure that the hard-fought progress gained over the past two decades, particularly when it comes to Afghan women and girls, would not be lost. And there are a couple of senators, Democrat senators who are facing tough re-election challenges next year. Senator Mark Kelly, a Democrat from Arkansas. Senator Maggie Hassan, a Democrat of New Hampshire. Also, both threw Biden under the bus. Kelly called the evacuation a failure to prepare. Hassan suggested the White House oversaw a precipitous withdrawal with no real plan in place to ensure the peace and stability of Afghanistan and its people. And a bunch of other House Democrats. They've also been quick to distance themselves from this administration in their own terms. They're calling this administration a flailing administration. Representative Stephanie Murphy, Florida, who's facing a tough fight from Florida State Representative Anthony Sabatini, called the situation heartbreaking and that she believes the U.S. does not have an easy choice here. The U.S. should have done more to prevent this worst-case scenario. Now we got to do whatever we can to support our Afghan allies and protect our national security interests. And they go on and on and on and on. It's interesting. Isn't it, isn't it always easier to be quiet before something happens? Even though you may have some suspicions, uh, you don't think things are right. You know what? We may face this if we go down that path. I don't think we should, but you don't step up and express it. You don't say anything. And then when it happens in your life, typically what happens, you go, Dad gummit, I should have said something before this happened. If you're in politics, you don't. What you do is you take shots at the person that did it, even though you knew up front, hey, this is, this is probably not going to work out. <laughs> that's the way politics rolls, and that's the way politicians roll. Hmm. Well, just so you know this, Reports are out, credible reports that I believe, and I could give you names, but I'm not going to, that tell us the Taliban have seized military biometrics devices, and they've seized those from, guess who, the U.S. military, that could aid in the identification of Afghans who assisted coalition forces through the years, 20 years. The devices are known as H-I-I-D-E. That stands for Handheld Interagency Identity Detection Equipment. They were seized last week. I mean, right at the front end of the Taliban's offensive. And that comes from a Joint Special Operations Command official and three former U.S. military personnel, all of whom worried that sensitive data they contained could be used by the Taliban. These devices contain identifying biometric data such as iris scans and fingerprints as well as biographical information and are used to access large centralized databases. Can you believe our administration, our military, let these devices just fall into the hands of the Taliban and think they wouldn't be used? You know what's interesting, most interesting about this? 
It's that the Taliban knew what they were doing. Now, how do you think they knew to go after these handheld interagency identity detection equipment? They had intelligence sources embedded in our military. We've been using these things for a long, 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 long time, and they're very effective when it starts getting involved in hand-to-hand kind of war where you need to just really go find out who you're dealing with. I mean, really find out who's on your side and who isn't. We didn't do anything about it. We didn't make any preparation. Of course, that's just one little thing. But do you think these Afghan people that helped us, that we promised, and in fact, many of them we had on our payroll for years, they were translators. They were people, just common everyday citizens, Afghan people that didn't like the Taliban, didn't like what they did, and felt like they couldn't on their own do anything about it. But when they saw a chance, the United States comes here. They're our allies. They're going to help us get rid of this evil Taliban and this entire process that just has kept the Afghan people for generations bound up, not letting us really do anything or be anybody. They committed to us. And now, you think I'm the only one that knew this report came out? No, they know that. We're not talking about Americans. We're talking about Afghani people. That even today, as I told you, Yesterday, the day before, the day before that, Taliban were going door-to-door looking for these people. They have this information, knowing they're there, and they're dragging them out in the streets and killing them. And our Secretary of Defense yesterday, when he was asked if we were going to go get Americans around Kabul and other Afghan cities and get them back through this security barrier around the airport, get through the Taliban and get them on these planes. He said, uh, we're going to do our best, but we don't have the necessary resources. He's the secretary of defense, the person, the only person besides the president that can authorize and make sure that whatever resources in anything to do with the military are available long before they're necessary in a situation like this. I mean, this is not a little bitty deal. Hey, Did you see that football game on Sunday? Did you see the Cincinnati Bengals beat up on the defending Super Bowl chance? Did you see that? And oh, by the way, don't forget that this weekend, um, we're going to pull our troops out of Kabul. I just thought I'd remind you of that. You think that's how this conversation got along like this? Why would you drop? Why would you even consider not taking care of Americans? Whatever happened to the leave no man behind thing? That's kind of been the mantra of our military throughout all kinds of wars. Nobody gets left behind. But yet the Secretary of Defense, uh, you know, we're going to get our military. We're going to get them taken care of. Our military people, we're good. We're good. But you know those Americans out there, you know, the ones that we swore we would protect and, you know, they've... uh, They've invested millions of dollars in us to train us and give us the equipment we need and to make us the number one military on the planet. Yeah, they're out there, and we just wish them luck. We hope they can get to the airport because we've got the airport. We control the airport. They just got to get here, which was interesting. Secretary of Blinken, Secretary of State, 
State Department put a word out yesterday and the day before to all those Americans out there, hey, here we are. Yeah, we're, we're at the airport, and all we need for you to do is find your way to the airport. Get the, the Uber driver and tell them you need to get to the airport. And once you get here, hey, we control the airport. We're going to get you out of here. But by the way, we can't guarantee your safety for getting to the airport. But we will. If you can get to the airport and you're alive after you get through, <laughs> we're going to take care of and get you out of here. Leadership. Leadership. And then I actually heard some people day before yesterday, the tenor turned, you know, the, 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 the messaging and what underlies messaging. You know, sometimes when people say something, you can tell by looking at them and listening to them, sometimes, often, in many cases, they don't really feel that what they're saying is actually the truth, but they feel like it's what they need to say. And so we had people that were saying, hey, you know, I even had, um, in the wee hours of Monday morning, my church has some friends, some missionary friends that are living in a Kabul, Afghanistan, a full family. And they were very worried about getting out during the night, knock on the door, and it was the Taliban. They were, they were literally afraid they were fixing to be dragged into the streets and killed, but it didn't work out that way. Taliban leader said, hey, um, here's what we need for you to do. Stay right here in your apartment, and the buses will be coming to evacuate you and other Americans to get to the airport, and someone from our military will come get you to make sure you get on that bus. That was a Taliban fighter. So I heard the news media pick up on this, and I actually, on Monday especially, they were saying, you know what, Taliban's not that bad. (laughs) While the Taliban, there were a couple of them that were doing that, and we found out Taliban leadership were told by leaders in China and Russia to go light, to take it easy for a while. When they come in there to not do what they normally do, which is destroy everything and everybody, behead people, kill them, shoot them, burn them to death, throw them off building tops. And they told them to do that because they were going to help them. Russia and China were going to help them get international status. In other words, they could be viewed as a real nation with real leadership when they changed the name to the Islamic Emirates. Well, guess what we found out overnight? The Taliban are killing people in Afghanistan they find with copies of the Bible on their mobile phones. Now, immediately when I said that, I know what many of you are saying. I, you know, I have the Bible on my phone. I have, a, I have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad. Everywhere I go, it's a lot easier to carry your Bible. And what's neat is in the version that I have, There are all kinds of different translations of the Bible that you can, while you're reading a specific uh, passage, look and see what the other translations, what it sounds like when you read it in that translation. And I've used it for years. And so people over there, Christians, according to Sat7, which is a broadcast Christian programming operation that broadcasts to churches 
and Christians throughout the Middle East and North Africa. They said, reported overnight, the Taliban is using spies and informants to persecute the Christian minority in the country. We're hearing from reliable sources that the Taliban demand people's phones. If they find a downloaded Bible app on your device, they shoot you immediately. It's incredibly dangerous right now for Afghans to have anything Christian on their phones. Can you imagine living in in a country, any country, and this is happening, and you have no control over it? You know, circumstances often here in the United States in our individual lives, when they get tough, we always have that built-in little sliver of hope. You know, this is the United States. We can generally find whatever sources and resources are necessary to work through this. Most things, sometimes they're out of our control. But be honest, most of the time, the problems you have in your life are self-inflicted. Most of the times, however, those self-inflicted problems and even others that you have no control over, you have the hope, you have the faith, and you just take it for granted. We all do pretty much all the time that we're going to find a way to get through it. And that's because this is the United States of America. Can you imagine living in a country where you 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 know that something that is on your phone, some app, or maybe some site that you surfed to get some news off of or whatever could possibly be the very thing that ends up having your head cut off? That's happening today, folks. That's happening today. In fact, one of the um, the most egregious things that I heard coming out of that military press conference yesterday with the Secretary of Defense and General Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, was that they're actually spending more time and more effort to get these Afghan people out of the country, that seems to be more important to them than getting Americans out. But guess what they've done? And it's kind of evidence is that fact. They have made preparations back here for the resettling of Afghan refugees. And guess where the target for that is? The state of Texas. <laughs> Joe Biden can't stand Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. Greg Abbott can't stand Joe Biden. Joe Biden's all of his authoritarian edicts that he puts out regarding COVID and pretty much everything else, Greg Abbott and Texans just stand up and say, we're not going to do it because it's not constitutional. It's not legal to do that, and we're not going to do it. And so what Biden, what the administration is doing, obviously, they're looking at Texas saying, hey, you know, we've been loading you up with a bunch of people storming across your southern border and you're making a bunch of noise about it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to fly a bunch of Afghans into Fort Bliss and we're going to create encampments there where we're going to instigate a resettling Afghan refugee process that's all going to emanate on a military base, which is U.S. government property, 
but we're going to do it in Texas. <laughs> isn't funny, isn't, isn't politics funny sometimes? I mean, if you don't laugh, folks, sometimes you got to chuckle. And none of this is funny. I'm not, I'm not diminishing any of it. It's all critical. It's important. It's sad. Senator um, Tommy Tuberville from Alabama, longtime head coach. He was LSU's arch nemesis for years at the University of Auburn, where he was the head coach. I never liked Tommy Tuberville. He was arrogant. He always had a lot of um, edgy things to say. Well, yesterday, Coach Tuberville, Senator Tuberville came out, and he had something interesting to point out. Where's the squad in the news about what's going on in Afghanistan? I mean, you have several that are Muslim. Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. Taliban are Muslim, I'm sure you know that. But these these women in Congress, in the House, especially those two, they are screaming and hollering every day about women's rights. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville mentioned that yesterday. No, he didn't mention it. He slammed the members of the squad for being close-mouthed about protecting women in Afghanistan. He said, I've not heard one word from all of these women in the squad in Congress saying anything about protecting the women of Afghanistan. You know, they're closed-mouthed right now. It doesn't fit their narrative. People ought to be sick of this. They really should be, but we'll work through this, Tuberville said yesterday during a radio interview. His comments came amid a discussion of Biden's handling of Afghanistan. You know, who's really in danger right now is women, the senator said. Women in Afghanistan for the first time ever have been able to go to school, do things that a normal human being gets to do, takes it for granted. In Afghanistan, women don't get that opportunity, but they have been given that chance with our being in that country and starting schools and all of that. Now, that's all gone south. He added that he is a Washington, D.C. outsider and that politicians will talk their way out of it and really probably won't anybody be held accountable. You think, Coach? He said, I've been up here and I tell you this is ridiculous. We'll have the hearings. There will be cover-ups. Billions of dollars will be stolen from taxpayers. Nobody will be held accountable in the long run. But we're going to do to our darndest. There's a group of us that will point fingers and try to get the job done. So those squad members, AOC, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York, they've commented about the takeover of Afghanistan, but their comments say this, refugees should be welcome to the U.S. We have a moral obligation to the Afghan people. The U.S. role in this crisis is indisputable. We must waste no time or expense in helping refugees safely and swiftly leave Afghanistan. We must immediately welcome them to the U.S. and provide real support as they rebuild their lives. AOC on Monday. Reps Cori Bush, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, 
they didn't respond or say much this week. Interesting, isn't it? We're going to take a break. When we come back, listen to what's just ahead. I'm going to let you listen. Now, Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, he was out there day before yesterday, finally, when they had a press briefing. He came out and he did everything, everything he could to suck up to Biden and to make everything appear that it was okay, it was planned, it was thought out, and it was just more than we could handle. He made excuse after excuse, and they were horrible. He did a horrible job. All along, though, I will say this, he was very faithful, very respectful, and very loyal to the president. Which is interesting, because in instances like this throughout history, Democrats in leadership, when they're under assault similar to this, the underlings, they begin to fall on their swords. <laughs> now, that normally is considered to be a really grand idea. You know, it's loyalty and all that. Most of them normally fall on their swords to commit suicide just to get out of the line of fire. Jake Sullivan, he stood in there, folks. Well, after Biden botched it yesterday in that interview, Jake Sullivan's assistant came forward and actually did a formal video in way of explaining what the president was saying. We're going to let you hear that. And have you wondered how House Speaker Nancy Pelosi feels about all this? She's always out in front of anything controversial, right? Well, she weighed in with her thoughts. You don't want to miss either one of these. That's just up next at TNN Live. Real truth, real news. TNN, the truth news network. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old six cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is... This is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Mr. Rippermorph? Yes, Dorothy? A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoth? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir. They're the Wastebusters. News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. 
So here's a name you haven't heard before. John Finer, F-I-N-E-R, John Finer. He's President Biden's Assistant National Security Advisor. (laughs) I didn't know there was an Assistant National Security Advisor, but there is. And um, he was assigned the task yesterday. I wonder if this guy did this voluntarily or if he was told to. It may turn out to be his 15 seconds of fame, but he took one for the Gipper. (laughs) He, He took one for Joe Biden. Here's John Finer explaining in a very, very articulate way exactly what was going on with President Biden and this Afghanistan thing. I'm John Finer, President Biden's Principal Deputy National Security Advisor. Here are some things we think are important about what's happening in Afghanistan. First, President Biden has been clear for a long time that the United States went to Afghanistan to get the people who attacked us on 9-11. We accomplished that mission many years ago. President Biden has also been clear that we inherited an agreement that the previous administration made that required a very difficult choice. On the one hand, the president had the choice of increasing the number of U.S. troops in Afghanistan after May 1st and going back to war with the Taliban, a decision that would have required significant combat and American casualties. On the other hand, the president had the choice of withdrawing American troops and giving the Afghan army the opportunity to defend its own country. After two decades of conflict in Afghanistan, the president was not willing to hand this decision off to a successor. He believed that the United States should bring this war to an end. Second, our most important job right now is to provide security and stability at the international airport in Kabul. That mission was accomplished in large part because we planned for it. President Biden ordered the pre-positioning of U.S. forces in the region and deployed those forces in recent days to ensure that security and stability could be brought to the airport. There are now several thousand American troops providing security at the airport. We will have as many as 6,000 troops in place in the days to come. Third, a safe and secure airport is important because our most important mission right now is providing safe and secure flights out of Afghanistan for Americans and Afghans in need. Already, the United States has brought 2,000 special immigrant visa applicants directly to the United States. We have temporary uh, housing and facilities for up to 22,000 more Afghans in the United States, and we are working to get as many of these vulnerable Afghans and American citizens out of Afghanistan as quickly as possible in the days ahead. Fourth, the nature of the terrorist threat has changed significantly since the United States went to Afghanistan in 2001. At that time, Afghanistan presented the most severe threat to the security of the United States. Two decades later, there are a range of countries that threaten the United States from the perspective of terrorism, and the United States addresses that threat without significant troop numbers in those countries. We have developed an over-the-horizon capability to deal with the terrorist threat in Afghanistan as it exists today. Fifth, the United States is deeply concerned about the plight of women and girls in Afghanistan. We will use every tool at our disposal, political, economic, diplomatic tools, in order to sustain the gains that women and girls have made over the last two decades. And any future government of Afghanistan will be held accountable for how they address this important issue. John Finer, he took one for the team. He uh, He's good at making excuses for Joe Biden, isn't he? And of course, that women thing, you know, we've got to take care of the women. Yeah, that was all going on while yesterday it was shown on international television Several women, because of a violation of the where they the way they wore their burqa, were dragged out on the street. One of them was burned to death. Another one was hacked to death. And of course, they're concerned about the 
Taliban stuff on these women. We'll do anything. We'll exhaust our resources. Oh, we got to take care of all these gains that we made over the last 20 years. That, in just eight months, Joe Biden has obliterated, destroyed, unilaterally. And it's not just regarding Afghanistan, folks. I mean, think about it. Look at the hard, difficult, fighting, everyday gains made for the American people across the board in the four years of Donald Trump in the White House. Unemployment, lowest level in eons, lowest African-American unemployment ever. Women, more women employed, women's raises going up, employees' rages going up, companies bringing all their money back from overseas, investing in new facilities, expansion of old facilities, taxes going down for everybody, all of those things, the price of gasoline, everything getting cheaper, mortgage rates lower than ever. Darn, things were pretty good that back then, weren't they? So how did Biden get elected? That's a question for another show another day. But it didn't take Joe long. And he bragged about it and he was so proud about it every step of the way as he undid single-handedly almost every one of Trump's accomplishments. Southern border, energy cost, energy independence. He started there and he just went through there like a wrecking ball, like a bull in a china shop. And he has put this nation in eight months in a position that we have never seen an American leader do, especially in such a short period of time. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon. And folks, even the Washington Post has opened their eyes and they're recognizing this. Glenn Kessler of the Post yesterday accused Biden of inflating the numbers after claiming that Afghanistan's military is bigger than many NATO allies, and that was a Washington Post fact check. Biden had to come back from Camp David this week. He had to. He was under pressure. He had to deliver a speech on the crisis in Afghanistan following the withdrawal of U.S. troops. Since the exit, the Taliban have regained control of most of the country, and desperate scenes have captured Afghans trying to get out of the way of the terror group. In Biden's address to the Americans, however, he defended his decision to end our military involvement in the region. And he said a bunch of things that were kind of uh, speckled. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. That was Biden in his speech. We spent over a trillion dollars, he said. We trained and equipped an Afghan military force of some 300,000 strong, incredibly well-equipped, a force larger in size than the militaries of many of our NATO allies. Well, he was citing data from the International Institute of Strategic Studies. When you look at that, Kessler this writer with the Washington Post argued that Biden was rounding up the numbers. <laughs> In a 2021 report, that institute showed 
Afghanistan with an active force of only 178,800, comprised by 171,500 in the Army, 7,300 in the Air Force. 300,000 is what Joe said. And one time even said it this way, you know the way he gets close to the microphone and he said, 300,000 strong, talking about the Afghan military. So a question pops up. How could such a large, well-equipped military fall apart so quickly? It's because it wasn't that big. According to Kessler, and he wrote an article that it said that Biden's 300,000 number included cops from across Afghanistan, not regular Army or Air Force. He also argued that Biden wasn't taking into account that reserve forces of NATO countries, whereas no reserves are listed for Afghanistan. Can you believe that a Democrat would ever inflate numbers to make themselves look bigger, look better, look stronger, look smarter? How could Joe Biden do that? Folks, Joe Biden didn't do that. Joe Biden doesn't write any of his speeches. He doesn't write any of his talking points. He's doing good to read the cards that they lay on the desk in front of him. And he sure as heck can't successfully be relied on to read a teleprompter. Kessler slapped three Pinocchios on Biden stating that in his analysis, Biden barely escaped the worst rating of four Pinocchios, which means, folks, Biden lied. Oh, my gosh, a U.S. president not telling the truth. (laughs) And what about old Nancy? I mean, normally, folks, you know this, Nancy is in front of everything, everything controversial. Where's Nancy been in all of this? Of course, I'm sure you, like me, were waiting for her to come out and say, you know, this was really not a good choice that President Biden made. And we need to look through this and come up with the reasons why and see who's really accountable for all this stuff. Here's Nancy, and she's explaining how it really happened. The big question right now, should the Biden administration have had a stronger U.S. military presence for the transition? Well, first may I just say that I commend the president for the action that he took. It was strong, it was decisive, and it was the right thing to do. We should have been out of Afghanistan a while back. Uh, But now we are, unfortunately, uh, one of the possibilities was that it would be a dis- uh, in disarray as it is. But that has to be corrected. And it is my understanding from the assurances we have received uh, that the um, military will be there negotiating with the Taliban for the safe exit of American citizens and friends, people who have helped us, our allies there. Hello. And people work in the nonprofit sector, but also not just U.S. NGOs, but those who have worked in Afghan uh, uh, NGOs as well who would be targets. And those people. (laughs) Oh, the speaker. The speaker's doing her best to sound like she's um, a Democrat speaker of the House, don't you you think? Has very little to, um, has very little to do with facts. Very little. 
for facts. And even the numbers that were given about, you know, we got thousands, thousands of people already out of Afghanistan. 18 U.S. Air Force C-17 cargo jets were used overnight to remove 2,000 people from Kabul. That's a good number. The planes can each carry around 600 people. And one took 640 out of Kabul on Sunday night. But on Tuesday, one of these jets just had 300 people on board. So that, that means, do the math, it means the remaining 17 jets took a total of 1,700 people. That's an average of 100 per flight. Now remember, before that, one flight took 600 people, one flight took 640. 17 of them overnight yesterday took only 1,700, only 100 average per plane. Now, what's this all about? What's going on? One of them that was filmed by one CBS journalist on board was carrying about 300 people. That included not Americans, translators. Afghan people, women and children. The planes are fitted to take 150 soldiers, heavy cargo loads, but then in disaster situations like the one that's going on right now, they can be used to take as many as 600 people without surpassing their weight limits. Flights bound for Germany, Australia, the Netherlands, France, and Italy also took off last night with just a few dozen people on board despite having the capacity to take hundreds. So what are the reasons? Well, one is no one can get to the airport. (laughs) We told you, Taliban has the airport surrounded with a multitude of checkpoints and people have to go through those checkpoints to even get to the government, to get to our folks that are inside the barriers in the airport. Taliban's controlling all the streets surrounding the airport. And other countries and the United States are relying on its fighters to let people through. Can you believe our military is at the bequest of the Taliban? We have to ask them to let people through so we can get them out of Afghanistan. I just cannot believe this is happening to the United States of America. And then we find out that Biden ignored General Milley's request to keep 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. That was supposed to be the permanent number that was going to stay Biden said, nope. He ignored the chairman of the Joint Chiefs recommendation to keep 2,500 U.S. troops in Afghanistan. The Wall Street Journal, they reported yesterday that Biden had heard about many of the risk of a full-scale pullout from Afghanistan, including that the Taliban could take over the entire country, but he went ahead with it. And you know what's happened. It's mayhem. And this was nuts. This is impossible for an ordinary civilian, even if they have their paperwork, no way they're running that gauntlet at the airport outside. 
They should have seen this was going to happen. They should have understood and made preparations for the Taliban. Folks, let me tell you, let me just cut to the chase on this. And here we go. We just keep going. Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. And it is a huge story, and it's impacting millions of people around the world. There's no question about it. But the biggest story in this entire thing is the way our commander-in-chief has just totally missed it. And he missed it when he appointed and put leaders in place that are supposed to assist him from below to make the right decisions all the time. And he put a bunch of people in charge that are ridiculously ill-equipped and inept at doing just that. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, do you know that Milley couldn't ever get in a high position in the Obama administration? He was passed over all the time because they felt like he wasn't he wasn't in the right spot. He wasn't the person that could lead our military. Lloyd Austin, who's the Secretary of Defense, same thing. Biden, oh, great guys. Somebody below Biden told him both of them were the best, and Biden, he may have met with them, but he didn't know anything about them. He just took some underlings' words and put these people in there, and Americans and Afghan citizens are paying the price with their lives for these bad choices. So where's the White House? Where's our communication department in all this? Led by Circleback, Circleback Jen. What does she have to say? There have been two press briefings, one yesterday, one the day before. And then, you know, the, you have the other ones coming out of the Pentagon, but I'm talking about in the White House. So Jen Psaki stepped up to the podium yesterday, and she made it very clear. She knows what the heck's going on, and she knows what went on in the Trump administration as well. And she knows who needs she who she needs to point fingers at and blame all the time. Follow up on, on this, obviously getting them through and getting them to the airport is the challenge, as everyone else here has noted. Um, but the administration is left to negotiate with the Taliban, including uh, one of the commandos who was released from Guantanamo Bay as part of the Bo Bergdahl prisoner swap when President Biden was vice president. How does he feel about that? Does he have any regrets? And, and how is how's he digesting that? Well, first, I would note that um, one, I'd go point to the Department of uh, the uh, Intelligence Community to assess the identity of the individual. I know there's been reporting on it, but that's not my position to do from here. I would also note that in prior uh, negotiations and commitments made during the Trump administration, there were thousands of individuals who were released. Um, so uh, our focus right now is on, again, not taking the Taliban's word for it. Uh, we are assessing, we are closely watching, and we are being very clear about the capacities and the capabilities we have at hand should they be needed. Of course, that's not our objective. And then the last question. Oh, of course, of course, that's not our objective. You know, uh, being ready to do, if we don't know about it way in advance and if we don't feel good about it when we find out about it, screw whoever's involved. We'll just leave them hanging, blowing in the wind. And they have no idea how many Americans are in Kabul or even in any other sector of the nation of Afghanistan. They have no idea how many of these Afghani people that have helped us, many of 
who have been on our payroll for 20 years, intelligence sources, them, their families, if they're found out and discovered by the Taliban, they're all being executed. It's actually happened while we're doing this show again and again and again. Everybody who is involved in this, everybody who has been involved in Afghanistan over the last 20 years, their lives are in danger. But don't worry, folks, our military has got it taken care of. We've secured the airport. Our number one mission, according to the Secretary of Defense, number one mission, protect that airport. We've got to keep that airport so we can get jets in and out of there. Oh, that's the end all. That's all we need to do. And as you just heard, the report was most of these jets that went out overnight, they only had 30, 40 a hundred people on them because they can't get the people through the Taliban barricades outside the airport, but they've got the inside of the airport fixed. Wow. You know, Afghanistan's not the only thing going on. I heard yesterday evening, I heard the most intelligent analysis of what's happening today at the government level, from the top, from the White House. This was following Joe Biden getting up yesterday. He spoke in the White House, did it again, but he wasn't there to speak about Afghanistan, didn't say anything about it, didn't take any questions. He was there pontificating, and he had a major announcement to make to Americans that it makes us all feel warm and fuzzy. What in the heck could that possibly be? Well, it has to do with COVID-19. It has to do with these miracle vaccinations that have been given out in the hundreds of millions. And there's a new twist. There's a new way to make sure that you don't die at the hands of COVID-19. Brilliance coming from science. That's next here at TNN Live. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome aboard Pizza Hut, where our legendary pan and stuffed crust pizzas will fly you to a world of flavors. Taste an all-American pizza sauce, juicy pepperoni, and farm-fresh mozzarella to discover America's mega pepperoni. Or explore the creamy pesto sauce, chicken and mushrooms in the French creamy chicken mushroom. Fly far above the rest in taste and variety with five new pizzas. And thank you for flying Pizza Hut. Don't miss our iHeartRadio at-home session with Jesse McCartney. Presented by Hellman's. An exclusive and intimate performance. At a time when we're craving live music. Watch Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on iHeartRadio's YouTube. Missing that restaurant flavor at home this summer? Hellman's is bringing crave-worthy flavors to you. Serving up new drizzle sauces that you can put on pretty much anything. With flavors like cilantro lime, roasted garlic, and creamy chili honey. You can drizzle, dip, and dress to make home the best restaurant restaurant around. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So what's this big news about COVID-19 that the president had to breathlessly go to the podium at the White House yesterday in the midst of the crazy stuff happening at our southern border? Oh, yeah, they're still doing what they do down there, which is kind of open the floodgates and let anybody come across the border that wants to come across. And, of course, we have that thing going on over there in Asia, Afghanistan. But what's more important is that President Biden get in front of all of the medical news, the truth that he needs to pass out to all of us Americans. Here you go. The U.S. is going to begin widely distributing COVID-19 booster shots next month. Why are we doing that? Well, it's because new data shows that vaccine protection It wanes over time. And this is according to top U.S. health officials. This story comes from CNBC. NBC, most reliable news network of all time. (laughs) They said this, It's now very clear that immunity starts to fall after the initial two doses And with the dominance of the Delta variant, we are starting to see evidence of reduced protection against mild and moderate disease. That's according to a statement that was signed by, drumroll, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky, Acting FDA Commissioner Dr. Janet Woodcock, White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci, and other U.S. health experts. Based on our latest assessment, the letter said, the current protection against severe disease, hospitalization, and death could diminish in the months ahead, especially among those who are at higher risk or were vaccinated during the earlier phases of the vaccination rollout. And because of this, U.S. agencies are preparing to offer booster shots to all eligible Americans beginning the week of September 20th, starting eight months after their second dose of Pfizer or Moderna's vaccines. While they said recipients of Johnson & Johnson's single shot will likely need boosters, they're awaiting more data in the next few weeks before making a formal recommendation. With those data in hand, the statement says, we'll keep the public informed with a timely plan for J&J booster shots. Johnson & Johnson said, we are engaging with the U.S. FDA, CDC, and other health authorities, and we'll share new data shortly regarding boosting with Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Statement added, in July, Johnson & Johnson shared data demonstrating that our single-shot vaccine generated strong, persistent immune activity against the rapidly spreading Delta variant, and other highly prevalent SARS-CoV-2 viral variants. Interim results from a Phase 1-2A study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine also showed the durability of the immune response was strong, with no waning for at least eight months. Eight months. Eight months. 
That's the length of time that had been evaluated so far. Ensuring long-term and durable protection against hospitalization and death are critical in curbing the COVID-19 pandemic. The plan is subject to a formal recommendation from a CDC vaccine advisory committee and approval from the FDA, also a formality. Now, that announcement came out just before Joe Biden stepped to the podium to give us the facts. Oh, Biden. The booster shot will boost your immune response, he said in a speech from the White House. It will increase your protection from COVID-19. And, of course, he addressed the criticism from self, some health advocates who say the U.S. should focus on sending vaccine doses to countries facing shortages rather than prioritizing booster shots for Americans. I disagree, Biden said. We can take care of America, and we can help the world. We can save the world at the same time. Just look what we're doing in Afghanistan. So why the timing? This is what gets me. Why the timing? Well, they're using this Delta variant and a rise in breakthrough cases. Have you heard that term used much, breakthrough cases? They stay away from it. You know why they stay away from it? Because the vaccine ain't working. Isn't it interesting? Do you know how many people have died from the flu this year? Less than a thousand. (laughs) You know what COVID-19 did successfully? I can tell you the one thing it did successfully was it obliterated the flu. U.S. officials changed their message on boosters in recent days. And why are they doing it? Cases are going up in number. When we started the show today, I told you that yesterday I heard the most unbelievable analysis of what's going on in COVID world from somebody I've learned to get a lot of respect for. Do you watch Fox News any? Do you watch it on the weekend? This Texan, this guy, Will Kane. He's a great athlete. He's from Texas. Uh, he's a he's a well-spoken young man, and he's from the South. Come on, folks. He's from our country. Um, he is. Um, he's been anchoring for a period of time that 6 p.m. show, and I forget the name of it on Fox News in the evening, but it's kind of in between. You know, the afternoon shows and getting into the evening shows with uh, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity. Um, and Laura, can't forget Laura. Yesterday, he began his show with an analysis of this COVID, all of this information, this factual stuff that we're supposed to just benignly believe. And he made the most intelligent analysis that I wanted to share with you today. He did it far more eloquently than could I. And so I'm just going to kind of do a synopsis for you. He pointed out that what we're being and have been getting for 18 months about COVID-19, we are constantly getting information and we're demanded every day. It starts with the COVID God in the United States. That's Anthony Fauci. You've got to listen to the science. You've got to listen to the science. 
follow the science, the science in all of this. And of course, everything that we are told and explained to be the science of all things to do with COVID-19, all of it, almost without exception, we find out after the fact, it wasn't the science. And Will Cain defined this entire process for me, and it finally made it easy for this Cajun, sometimes slow at understanding and grasping things. It helped me understand. We're not listening to scientists that tell us this. The President of the United States yesterday, yesterday, he actually, in his speech about this booster, this eight-month-after-the-second-shot booster that is going to be rolled out beginning September 20th, he actually said this. He's instructing heads of public education in states across the nation in which the governors are standing up and blocking the mask mandates for kids in elementary school. He's telling these people to go ahead and do it And he is going to see to it that federal criminal action is taken against these politicians that are resisting him, the President of the United States. In other words, listen to what this guy said. We've already talked today about what he has done. I'm talking about the President. President Biden has done. He's ignored federal law. He's instructed people that are employees of the federal government and you and I, the American people, to ignore federal immigration laws. And he's made it okay for the criminality to go rampant on our dollars and we Americans are paying the price in just two years. In the state of Texas alone, 600,000 illegal immigrant felonies committed against Texans. Everything from murder to rape to robbery. Ignore all that. He's telling federal law officials to ignore the breaking of federal laws that he and those in his administration say it's okay to do. But then he takes it up a notch yesterday. Biden does. And Will Cain pointed this out. This is true authoritarianism where a dictator wannabe sits in the White House. You know the thing they blame Donald Trump for wanting his entire four years? He never did one thing while he was in the White House that even looked remotely like authoritarianism or something a dictator wanted to do. He never tried to do anything. Biden just does it every day. You got to do this. You got to do this. He undid all kinds of things. He's even being popped by federal judges now. He had no authority to discontinue the remain in Mexico policy. This judge, federal judge, actually came out and kind of laughed about it, saying, how could this guy do this? It was all working the way it was, and his actions are destroying parts of the United States, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, by illegal immigrants overrunning and our government letting them break laws and even facilitating and encouraging them to do that. Folks, these aren't scientists that are standing up and talking to us. And those that really, in a way, are like Fauci, he is a medical professional, no no doubt about it, but he's not a doctor, a practicing physician. 
He's not treated one COVID patient, but yet he tells us what the science is about COVID-19. Here's the difference, folks. They're not telling us about the science. What they're talking about is scientism. Ism. Scientism. Now, what's the difference between science and scientism? Science is absolute. It stands alone. Science is what nature is without any help from any human being. And I'll just throw something in here for consideration. Science is actually the law of the creator. Think about that for a moment. Everything that exists is constituted of things, is created with things and by things. And there's no man, there's no woman that knows evidentiarily any of the process or any of the parts of it or can explain it. Science lives in a vacuum and it has an adjacent vacuum that is inhabited solely by truth. So here's what these arbiters of righteousness and self-made sycophants that know everything about everything, here's what they do. They take things that happen in science and they use it. They take it and make it, though it's not, they make it seem to be it's part of a process that they know about. It's called scientism. It's psychological. It's not science, folks. You can't take science and use it out of the context of what it is. If you're being genuine, if you're being honest, anybody that takes anything that occurs in science that is part of nature, that exists on its own, and they try to tell you about it and tell you and make you think that because they are who they are, not because they know, but just because who they are, and they tell you, I'm an expert. Or someone points to Fauci and says, Anthony Fauci is an expert. Or you hear these reporters every day, experts say, experts say, Joe Biden in his speech yesterday, he said it a dozen times, experts have told us that these booster shots are necessary because natural immunity is waning. That's not science. That's scientism. If you're tempted to be afraid, if you have struggled with everything you see going on around you, and i got to be honest with you, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Face it, folks. In our lifetimes, everybody breathing today, no one has ever seen any environment like we have today in the United States of America. I mean, think about this. We have leaders. We have joint chiefs of staff, the leaders of every branch of the military. Lloyd Austin, our Secretary of Defense. Do you know that there's not a general alive today that has participated as a general in any war that we've won? 
But they don't talk about that. Some of these guys were in the military or they were young and were about to get in the military when we had the fight against Hitler and the fight against Japan in World War II. But there are no leaders that were alive today that have ever won a war. The only war that we've ever won in recent history. What war was it? World War II. What about Iraq? What about Korea? Hmm. What about Vietnam? We didn't win any of those. We surrendered. We turned around and walked away in every one of those. And we claimed that we won, but we didn't win. Do you understand that the psychological use of terminology is to create a perception among the people that are listening that something is factual when it's not? Where I come from, we call that lying. You tell me that stuff, you're lying to me. But because they have been telling us, they and others have been telling us they're talking about science. You've got to listen. Science. These people are not experts, folks. These people are humans that are trying to convince us that things are what they're not. So where are you going with this, Dan? I'm warning you. Be careful. Be careful. Don't just arbitrarily decide that you're going to say something based on what someone else says just simply because you've been told they're an expert. So what did Biden have to say yesterday about this booster shot? So please, if you haven't gotten vaccinated, do it now. Do it now. Next, I want to speak to you all, uh, all of you who are vaccinated. How should you be thinking about the moment we're in? First, know that you're highly protected against severe illness and death from COVID-19. Only a small fraction of people going to the hospital today are those who have been vaccinated. But we have a responsibility to give the maximum amount of protection, all of you the maximum amount. Earlier today, our medical experts announced a plan for booster shots to every fully vaccinated American, adult American. You know, this will boost your immune response. Thank you. President of the United States speaking at the White House in the middle of Afghanistan and people over there dying, being slaughtered. We have no clue. Are we going to get Americans out? Are we not? And he comes to give us this scientific speech. The experts have said booster shots will save us all. You've got to line up to get that third shot. We told you way back for a year, year and a half, we told you, you get a COVID vaccination you're not going to get COVID-19. And now people are getting COVID-19 that haven't been vaccinated. But Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, he was double vaxxed. He tested positive for COVID-19, probably because he's one of those evil Republicans, those conservatives. And they don't listen to the experts. 
Regarding the vaccines, folks, where, where, where do I stand on vaccines? I've not been vaccinated. I don't plan to be vaccinated. I have taken as a preventative hydroxychloroquine. Marianne, my wife, got a bad case of COVID-19. We have people in our family that caught it. Everybody's fine. And it's because we listen to real experts, people that we know, and they know us and they love us. And, and, and what am I telling you? Don't get vaccinated. I'm not going to do that. Pray about it. Talk to real experts, your doctor, people that know you. Don't go to a quick care because their operation procedure tells them if you're not bad enough to go to the hospital and be admitted, they're supposed to treat your sy- sy- symptoms and ship you home. Get facts. Make decisions based on facts. That's a wrap on the day. I want to end this cheerily. I want to end this with a happy sound. And I know you've heard this song here ending a show or two or three before, but listen again. It's a cool message. We're flying up no ceiling when we in our zone I got that sunshine in my pocket Got that good soul in my feet I feel that hot blood in my body When it drops, ooh I can't take my eyes off it Moving so phenomenally Come on, like the way we rock it So don't stop And under the lights when everything goes Nowhere to hide when I'm getting you close When you dance, dance, dance Feel a good, good creeping up on you So just dance, dance, dance Come on All those things I shouldn't do But you dance, dance, dance And ain't nobody leaving soon So keep dancing I can't stop the feeling So just dance, dance, dance I can't stop the feeling So just dance, dance, dance Come on Ooh, it's something magical It's in the air, it's in my blood Rushing on. I don't need no reason. Don't be control. I fly so high, no ceiling when I'm in my zone. Cause I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off of it. Moving so phenomenally.